What is up, everyone? We are here for another Lost Boys episode. Not a part of Legacy Week, but a tag-on episode. Uh, live stream with Adam Boone from Below the Boardwalk. And uh, while this will be available on our Instagram page, at HeartGuide Media, it is also being recorded, so you can listen to the audio version of this as well when it's all said and done. So you'll get the best of both worlds. You'll be able to listen to this on uh, whatever podcast format you use, Spotify, iTunes. And from there, you'll be able to um, see the live video as well. And we're going to be joined by Adam right now as we add him. What's up, dude? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Hey, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on today, and uh, thanks for uh, joining uh, the podcast to uh, to discuss a uh, little bit of the Lost Boys. There was no one better uh, to <laughs> to have on. Uh, you were on the short list of people I wanted to reach out to. Uh, I, I ended up doing like uh, ten or so hours of uh, podcasting that week, so I didn't get to everyone. So I was missing out. On people I desperately needed to talk to, so what better than to showcase you on your own episode, man? Well, brilliant. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. So where where are you located in the UK? So I'm in a place called Norwich, um, which if you were looking at a map of the UK, you've got London, and it's uh, it's east east of London, basically. Okay. So about two hours from London, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, bit out in the sticks, so. Nice, nice. So, um... I guess I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you some general questions just so uh, anybody who listens to our podcast can get to know you and of course find your page, uh, sure, and we're of course gonna be diving into uh, one of the greatest cinematic masterpieces of all time, The Lost Boys. Now, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I guess uh, quickly, are you now? Are you just a film fan in general? Are you specifically a genre movie fan, or are are you big into like the '80s horror stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, growing up, certainly, it seems to have been a horror genre right from an early age. Um, I mean, I'm talking from the age of five, six. I'm same um, boat, same boat here, man. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, specifically with Lost Boys, I mean, I was born the year that the movie came out. Okay. Uh, so I didn't get to see it until I was about, I was, yeah, six, six years old. Um, and I can, I can vividly remember watching it for the very first time, you know, even all that time ago. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the... That's the thing I think with genre movies specifically, and 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 I gotta you know uh, echo your sentiments about this kind of being the focal point of mm-hmm. where you know because th- this is the first horror movie I remember being obsessed with. It was the yeah. first movie in general I remember being obsessed with. Uh, so and I was born in '88, so we're of that same time frame too. Now nice. were were VHSs like huge in the UK as well? Was that like the video rental stores? Was that like a thing in the UK as well? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've got very vivid memories of heading out to the video rental store with my parents, um, and I remember the horror film, horror movies were like set off in a different room altogether with like a curtain closing it. Wow! Um, and of course, being a kid, you go you go through there, you look at all the artwork on the boxes, um, and I remember I I can vividly see like. Friday the 13th films, 
um, and just looking at that artwork and wanting to watch it. But obviously, at the age of six, you know, you're sort of told, no, you can't watch that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, th- that's what's funny, too. Um, that's how movies were sold back in the day to someone that didn't know them. It was, you know, it was the 90s. You didn't ha- you couldn't get on IMDb and look up the yeah. description or you couldn't watch a trailer on YouTube. You had yeah. the, the cover art to base your selections off from. Absolutely. So the yeah. cover art was as important as anything during the yeah. during the 80s and the 90s. That's right. Um, I mean, now, I, look, I don't know about you, but I look at movie posters and there's nothing which really draws me in at all. No, uh, absolutely I mean, not. And you've got these posters, you know, a lot of them are actually painted as well. And the artist has taken so much time and care into that. Uh, but now it's just, I suppose it's just thrown together on a computer and sent out and that's it. Yeah. And I, I noticed with the horror movies specifically, they'll usually just do like something super simple that doesn't really grab your attention. Like... I mean, like the Conjuring movies, for for instance. Yeah. Uh, they'll show, like, the house and maybe, like, a girl in a dress that's kind of, like, silhouetted a little bit. And there's no really... It doesn't, yeah. like, grab you. And yeah. something I love about the Lost Boys uh, cover art, which is obviously right behind you as well. And yeah. it is right over here in my uh, <laughs> residence as well. Uh, you really didn't know... It was such an intriguing cover because you didn't know what it was actually about it yeah. could have been an 80 or like an 80s brat pack movie but it also you know it's in the horror section so like That's it's great yeah. i mean looking at that cover nothing about that really tells me that there's vampires involved at all. no not at all um yeah and of course it gets that bit in the movie you're watching it for the first time and of course yeah big surprise and you're hooked from there on so and that's uh i mean it's so i mean obviously it's not you realize that other countries are going to have similarities and differences, but as we can see right now, you're a huge Lost Boys fan that's on the other side of the globe right now. And I've talked to people uh, from California on the other side of the continental United States, uh, friends everywhere. This movie just universally seems to resonate with so many people, uh, regardless if they're even necessarily huge horror fans, even if they're novice horror fans, everyone loves this film. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, I've got friends that aren't necessarily into horror at all, and I've, you know, lent them the DVD or the Blu-ray, and they've come back saying how much they enjoyed it. Uh, they've then shown their friends. Um, and it's, it's also, it's amazing how many people have never heard of The Lost Boys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people always ask me, what's your favorite film? I say The Lost Boys, like, what? I've n- never heard of that. Um, so it's, it's amazing. It's it's so big, yet a lot of people don't know it exists. Yeah, these newer generations coming up, uh, and that's something I, I realized and saw in my 20s, too, that there was people of our age, you know, the 32, 33-year-olds, that, you know, when we were 10 years ago, there was still, like, a small demographic of people near or younger than our age range that still hadn't okay. seen it. So I was introducing people to this film for the last decade that hadn't seen yeah. it, and now it's one of their favorite films. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that seems to grow and grow. Um, and the more people that I've shown, like I say, they're showing other people as well. Um, and it seems to have some kind of resurgence in the UK at the moment. Um, we've got a lot of, um, I suppose, due to the whole COVID situation, we've now got a lot of driving cinemas happening. Yep, same uh, over here. And a number of those are showing the Lost Boys. Wow, that's, uh, I mean, that right there, I mean, 1987, it's now 2020. They're showing, it's one of the selective movies, you know, uh, some of the other ones that have been shown around here in the States too. You got yeah. Karate Kid, 
Back to the Future, nice. uh, you know, Goonies, huge blockbuster films. This film yep. still success, still very successful in its own right, but it's still lumped into there. That this is like uh, you know classic cinema of the eighties. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. yeah, and it's it's something that I'm I'm loving to see people. I obviously know there's fans all over the globe, but it's so. Like, uh, I guess it, it re-solidifies the point of how important this film is, that it has, there's so much art, too. Art, oh. pins, uh, graphic t-shirt, bootleg t-shirts, uh, fan pages that post endless information. That's what I love about your page, too, is there's so much information that you get, little tidbits that you post that, that normal people who are even like, oh, I love the Lost Boys, but I don't know... You know, I don't know that Greg Canham, you know, his idea behind the contact lenses or the mm. the subtle makeup with the with the eyebrows and yeah, absolutely, yeah. And through doing my Lost Boys page, I mean, the amount of comments that I've gotten, you know, really nice comments from people saying, you know, I never realized that. Um, and I, you've probably seen under each of my pictures, I try and include as many past quotes there as possible. Yeah, uh, so people can really sort of see what people were thinking at the time, the ideas behind the creations. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's an interesting uh, thing in 2022 is there's so much information out there to get. So when you can find, like for me, when I found your page, I was just like, oh, this is an easy follow right here. Like, and even I, who I'm like, you know, I, I can feel, I feel snobby sometimes about the Lost Boys. Like, huh, tell me something I didn't know. And then you'll I post something. I'll be like, oh, I kind of knew that, but I didn't know like the intricacies of like that point and stuff. So it, it, it's super informative as well, your page. Thank you very much. I mean, even though I'm posting all the information, I'm still finding out stuff almost on a daily basis as well. So. Exactly. And and to, to the point of the movie, I feel like every time I watch it, I'll pick up on little things. Mm -hmm. After seeing yeah. it hundreds of times, I'll still pick up on little things I never noticed before. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, last year, I finally got to see The Lost Boys in a cinema setting, um, which is the first time I'd seen it on the, on the big screen. Awesome. And the amount of things that I was seeing that I'd never realized before especially in a lot of the cave scenes, a lot of the details that, you know, just seeing on a normal TV screen at home, you wouldn't pick out. Um, I remember one scene in particular when the Frog Brothers are coming out of the cave, they're covered in Marco's blood. And uh, you can actually see all the bits of glitter that they used in the blood. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I never know fully watching at home, but obviously in the cinema setting, it's there. It's so obvious. Oh, yeah. It's it's much, much bigger, obviously, too. So you, mm. you're going to see little tiny intricacies that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly think that that film, it is definitely made for the big screen to get the full-on experience. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that, um, what was I going to say? The uh, So I noticed something watching uh, a Joel Schumacher film I'd seen before uh, called Flatliners three years after yeah. this one from 1990. Yeah. So have you noticed, and I just noticed this because I was just like, with Joel passing and, and myself doing the Legacy Week for the Lost Boys last week, <laughs> Uh, I, I was revisiting some of Joel's other films, uh, so I watched Flatliners, and I noticed that if it's not the same exact like uh, wind ornament, it's almost identical. Uh, you know the wind ornament outside Grandpa's house in uh, the little like sawing like man oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That same wind wind like ornament appears in Flatliners several times during their like little like out of body experiences. 
it's been so long since I've seen Flatliners. I need to give that another watch. But yeah, I'll definitely look out for that. Yeah, and I saw it, and I went back, and I and then I I went and got a screenshot from the. I was like, yeah, it's the same one. So that that was definitely like a Joel thing. I I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from, from what I gather, he's, he's pretty much known for doing that. So it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all if that is the same wind chime that's used there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that, that's what uh, I talked about this as well with Joel Schumacher. He's obviously was was a very accomplished director. He had done mm-hmm. many things outside of the Lost Boys too. Yeah. But I feel like whenever his name is mentioned, this was his like this was his film that he was truly known for. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't until years later that I looked back and I started to realize a lot of the films that I'd grown up watching were directed by him as well. And yeah. I had no idea at all because a lot of his films are so different to each other. Um, things like, I remember really enjoying, I know it's not a fan favorite, but I quite liked Batman Forever at the time. Oh, I, I, lo- I lo- that's the thing. I, I, you know, I just rewatched that the night right. after I watched Flatliners. Um, yeah. And I, I'm a big Batman guy as well. And I, I love Batman Forever. I think it's great. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, he and that's uh, what's great about uh, Joel too. And I and I'd mentioned this as well. He he had said, you know, this isn't really the Lost Boys isn't uh, you know a deep personal Joel Joel Schumacher film. I'm not sure who would want to see that. I think now so many people, actors, uh, Kiefer Sutherland especially, had said, you know, the movie is so much Joel that I don't even yeah. think Joel realized how much of Joel was in the film. Absolutely, yeah. And it, it's sad to say, but it doesn't... It seems like when a director dies, it's only then that people go back and discover the films that they've created um, and then sort of appreciate them even more. But, yeah, very talented director. Yeah, it, uh, same same thing with, you know, music. A lot of people... You, we see these yep. artist spikes in streaming now when an artist dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, so when did... Uh, so when did the idea to start below the boardwalk as an Instagram page like come to fruition for you? Well, I suppose I've been interested in the film for so many years, um, and there were Lost Boys fan pages out there, um, but none that sort of were as dedicated as I'd like them to be. Um, maybe a few of them focused on the prequels as well as the very first film, um, which I'm sort of sure some people appreciate, but not myself. Yeah. Um, so I thought, right, well, I'm going to start this page just purely dedicated to the first film uh, and just go with it um, and try and make some of my images and I've sort of thrown a few animations on there different to sort of stick out from the other pages. Um, and I've been doing it for over, well, over a year now and I'm going to continue doing it because, it's, yeah, it's what I love. Well, it's, yeah, it's so many people that I've, uh, just talking with people on uh, my podcast for the last, you know, two weeks about Lost Boys, you know, a few of them have said, like, once we're done recording, they'll be like, oh, have you, have, you know, like, Below the Boardwalk, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I follow them. And so, you know, you're, for any Lost Boys fan, I mean, it goes without saying, obviously, we're doing this episode, so you're going to hear all the Lost Boys talk, and you're hearing Adam talk, but uh, this is definitely a page that if you're a fan in any way, shape, or form to, to follow his page, just because it's so fun to see and just hear things. And a lot of people don't have access to some of the novels that have come out that really expand yes. upon the production and, and things surrounding the film, not just the production of the film itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, one that I've got is, I've probably got it here, actually. Um, you might have seen this 
Lost in the Shadows by Paul Davis. Yeah, I, yeah. I tried to get my hands on that, but for some reason, yeah. I saw it on eBay, and it was going for like four or five hundred dollars American over here, and it was just, it was, it was, it's pretty hard to get your hands on. Yeah, it's completely out of print now, and as far as I'm aware, I don't think they've got any plans to reprint it, which is a big shame. Um, I think it was a limited amount, um, but it's it's one of my favorite books, obviously, and there's so much information in there. It's yeah, really incredible. And uh, that, that's another thing. Like when you have uh, you know a book dedicated, like all due respect to. I don't know, like drama movies and stuff, there aren't like drama conventions. There aren't, you know, there aren't big encyclopedias on dramatic films and things like yeah. that, you know. And it's so funny because the horror genre is kind of viewed as like the redheaded stepchild of cinema still to That's this day. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, last year I went to, last October, um, we have a convention in the UK called For the Love of Horror. Um, and last year's was the Lost Boys reunion. So I got to meet most of the cast there. Um, they had Tim Capello there performing. Um, awesome. Three, three of the days there, and one, once in the evening. Um, and it was incredible. And the place was absolutely packed. So it just goes to show how strong, you know, horror horror fans are. Um, and it's, it's a sellout event. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. They have done... Uh, I remember Corey Haim was, so I've been going to, I'm in the northeast of the United States. I'm in upstate New York. So a lot of people, especially not in the United States, when you say New York, they immediately think New York City. So New York City down here, I'm in literally the dead center of the state. So this is a city. It, it's like, it's definitely a, a city, like uh, urban uh, settings and stuff like that. But you could drive 25 minutes uh, south or north or east or west and you're in like rural setting i grew up 25 minutes outside of this city where it was completely rural setting you walk out and there's nothing but woods in front of my parents house for like two or three miles right uh and so uh so with horror films it's uh in video rental places and the things we were talking about in the 90s that was uh my parents were big on that so and it sounds like uh as with you, you were exposed to all these films at such a young age that they've just stuck yeah. with you, and the the lore and the fandom has just grown as the movies get older. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, since since a child, you know, eighties horror is still my thing. Um, whereas, because I saw the Lost Boys at such a young age, and I'm I saw I suppose I'm stuck in that that sort of year that that era. Um, but I mean, to me, those films are still the best of the day. Um, and not just the films. I mean the music. I mean, look at the soundtrack on the Lost Boys as well. That's it's timeless. Oh yeah, it's go- it, it it was the golden age. The eighties were such the golden age of so many things. Yeah. Like, and I I know people laugh at the fashion now, but how many times have we seen eighties fashion resurge well, like through the past absolutely. few decades? Yeah, 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 yeah. No worries. I I I keep saying sometimes that. I don't want to wish my life away, but I'd have loved to have been born that little bit earlier so I could have seen a lot of the 80s. Oh, yeah, exactly. We got uh, Max from Ready to Retro, who was just on saying hello. Um, uh, hello. And, uh, yeah, they, those guys were super fun, and I know him and uh, Chelsea of the Ready to Retro prod- podcast are big uh, Lost Boys fans as well, and I think they're going to be uh, diving into something maybe a little later on in a few months. <laughs> yep. And... Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm the same, like, I was kind of, uh, lucky, I guess, in a sense. My parents were, uh, I, we always joke, and and it's like a, there's a show called How I Met Your Mother. Have you seen it? Are you familiar with it at all? I've heard of it, 
Yeah. yeah, so uh, in the show, they joke that Canada is five or six years behind the U.S. So in the mid-90s, it was still like late 80s in Canada. So I always equate that to my parents' house. My parents like were just so behind on the times that it felt like 1988, even though I was born in 1988. In 95, it still yeah. felt like the 80s. Yeah, and it's obviously rubbed off on me because, I mean, even now, I collect vinyls. Um, I mostly predominantly listen to 80s music, heavy metal in particular. Um, so it's it's stuck with me ever since. Oh, I gotta I gotta ask then because I'm a I'm a genre <laughs> I, I I'm a fan of all, all music, especially any kind of 80s music from metal to, to pop and, and everything. What are your some of your favorite 80s bands of of any genre, metal or anything? Well, I suppose it will st- stick with metal. Um, Metallica has always been my favorite. Oh yeah, um, from the 80s, yeah. Um, I mean, even some like the 80s Black Sabbath stuff, um, Fruit to Iron Maiden, stuff like that. And even bands now that are still trying to capture that, that 80s, um, 80s sound. Um, I suppose a bit of Motley Crue as well back in the day. I really love the Frash bands, so Amphrax, Megadeth, Slayer. Oh, yeah, of course. All of that. Well, yeah. same thing with, uh, with music. We talk about how people, you know, the 80s people are still trying to well how many how many movies have we seen in the past 10 years that have like taking place in the 80s they're bringing back that throwback 80s feel trying to yeah. bring that back yeah i suppose we've got bill and ted just on the horizon as well i so, mean yeah. i mean think about that too we're it's 2020 there is instagram pages dedicated to the lost boys there's people on different continents talking about the lost boys and alex winters coming out in a new bill and ted movie <laughs> in 2020 <laughs> Yeah. Admit, admit, admits to global pandemic, it's all still happening. <laughs> yeah, these forgot the lost boys. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> now, now that we're, uh, you know, kind of, we got a, a base layer, kind of, we, we know uh, where you stand, how you found the film. You know, it's very similar to a lot of uh, my friends and the co-hosts that I've had on this podcast, uh, you know, finding horror at a young age, and then it just latching onto you and sticking with you yeah. into adulthood. So, I guess we're going to get right into the Lost Boys fully. I want to know. So, what's your favorite character? Oh, probably a common answer, but I think it has to be David. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a perform- performance by Kiefer. Yeah, there's just something like, he doesn't have to say a word, but you know that... Limited dialogue. Limited dialogue he has. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he could not say a single thing throughout that whole film, and you just know that... He's the boss. You don't want to mess with him. Control controls the yeah. entire film. It's insane. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what was uh, what are some of your favorite scenes? Like the scenes that have just stuck with you since the first time you saw it. And when someone says the Lost Boys to you, what's the first scene yeah. you would think of? Well, weirdly, the first one is always Tim Capello on that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, but I have to say, I think my favorite scene is uh, the train trestle bridge drop jumping from the bridge. Oh yeah. Uh, and I mean, when they filmed that, a lot of that was improvised. Um, I know Dwayne, especially um, Billy Worth, because everyone had to say something before they jumped down the hole. Um, he didn't know what to do at all, so of course he just did the little yeah. finger gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, for some reason, that scene's always stuck with me. Um, and I suppose the first time we watched that, you, you still aren't quite sure what's happening. Um, yeah, yeah, that's when Michael's truly like. He's drank. He's drank the blood out of that amazing-looking handcrafted wine bottle. Um, yeah, and they're slowly 
and I, I'll give them that credit. They didn't say like, "All right, Michael, you're a vampire. We're gonna kill people, and you're gonna see that." The the pacing of the film was brilliant because they slowly like, "Look, we're gonna drop down, and, and we're gonna show you that we can hang, and then drop into the air." And then after that, then, you know, we're going to ease you in in different ways. And then we'll show you the big kill scene where we kill the surf Nazis on the beach. Yeah. And they didn't just rush him in. So and and then you think back uh, when Max says, you know, you realize that Max was pretty much ordering David to get the get the Emersons on board because Max wanted the the blood sucking Brady Bunch. Uh, Yeah. Uh, so that all makes yeah it all makes more sense when you see like okay they were doing the slow reel in because that was the plan laid out by max yeah absolutely and what a great performance by edward herman i mean he's such a a classic character at the time yeah i remember reading things from Kiefer saying that you know he he'd looked up to him for years before filming that um and then he finally got to perform with him and he was yeah he was in awe of him and uh, I know Diane Weist, too, she had just ca- yeah. came off an Academy Award, and Joel wasn't sure that she would take, you know, as as he put it, you know, a teenage vampire film. And then she, they got her. So I think maybe getting respected actors and actresses like Edward Herman and Diane Weist yeah. definitely helped the profile of the film even more. Yeah, absolutely. And with Diane Weist, I mean, you really believe that she was those boys' mother. Um, oh, absolutely. You really believe that they- they were brothers as well. There's sort of no question about that. Yeah. Yeah. There and it. I think. I think you're really you're touching on something that I, I I've been thinking about subconsciously for the past fifteen years. You just don't see chemistry like there is in the Lost Boys in current films in general, but also horror films. You yeah. don't. I don't know if these actors aren't spending enough time with each other. Or if they just aren't getting that rapport, the, the director isn't saying like, hey, yeah. go spend two weeks together and get tight because we need to see that chemistry on screen. I feel like that's lacking in current films. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a time constraint thing. It's a money thing. It's let's get these people in. Let's make this film, get it out, make as much money as we can. But yeah, this again, that's something missing from the 80s. Um, everything seemed to have much more time back then. Um Again, down to music as well. There's so much more time and care put into things. Nothing has to be rushed out straight away, um, which yeah. shows in the end. I mean, that's a perfect way to uh, say it as well because they're in such a rush to get it done, get it out, so we can work on the next thing that's going to produce just as much or more money. That is a yeah. big. That's a big reason why they go with CGI horror effects now as opposed to uh, you know practical. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, those prosthetics that they used on the Lost Boys themselves, I mean, that was hours that they were in the makeup chair. Um, so you can kind of see why they go with CGI nowadays for time constraints, but it's just not real. It doesn't look real. Um, and as soon as I see that in a movie, I just ugh, I just, just find it hard to watch. It, 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 it takes you out of it. The credibility just disappears. Yeah, and it, it takes you out of it, I guess, because you can see that it's computer-generated images you can tell that it's not it's a person under all the layers of computer graphics with you know something like the lost boys makeup where they have the high uh cheekbone prosthetic they have just that simple brow prosthetic and then the eyes they and they can move in it and i mean i mean the lenses everyone 
that is, you know, has listened to this podcast this past week or is a fan of your page, you've seen it posted yeah. and talked about the the lenses were were crazy because they were hard glass. And think about putting just that hard glass inside your eye. And I, I believe Alex, yeah. I believe Alex uh, Winter and maybe Billy Worth or someone actually did have damage to their like cornea or their eye just from taking them in and out and in and out. And they're hanging upside down in the cave with oh, these things yeah, in I'm their eyes. Yeah, and from what I gather, I mean, they could only wear them from any time from nine minutes to 15 minutes at a time before they had to get them out um, and then cut and then reshoot the take. And also, you think of poor um, Chance Michael Corbett. I mean, he was very young at the time in that movie. He played Laddie. And even he had to wear them for you know a set amount of time as well. So that couldn't have been nice at his age either. No, definitely not. And what a <laughs> what a a dedication that the actors had to truly doing that because I don't know how many actors these days would go through the rigmarole and the the turmoil to to make a film like The Lost Boys in 2020. No, absolutely not. I just can't see it happening. No, they're all divas. Oh yeah. <laughs> But I think that 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 harkens back to the respect that they all had for Joel Schumacher. That you know Joel was the head of the film, and I feel like he was so respected, and everyone who's worked with him has had nothing but great things to say about him. Kiefer, especially working with him uh, a few times, uh, just I mean, what a demand for respect that people are going to put themselves through that kind of torture to for the betterment of the film. Yeah, I've never read a single bad thing about Joel Schumacher. And I mean, all the all the cast he's worked with over the years, they've always said absolutely, you know, lovely things about him. Um, and they all say that he had such a strong vision for things as well. Um, and he, also, he'd listen to people's opinions as well. You know, if someone said, well, this isn't right, I think it should be this way, he'd listen to them, he'd respect them, maybe take their point of view on board, change the scene. So, yeah, very well-respected director. Yeah, and I mean... There's so much. I mean, when you really look at, you know, how um, how great of a film The Lost Boys is from director to actors to makeup to story to soundtrack, you really start to see where the flaws are of the last 20 or 30 years in film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still think directors should look back now and almost use The Lost Boys as a handbook on how to make films. And you had the Corys, it's their first film, Corey Feldman and Corey Haynes' first film together. They are, you know, 15, uh, you know, what are they, 15 at the time? 15, 16 at the time? Oh, sorry about that. You, you froze for a second. So the, uh, Corey, the Corys were what, 15, 16 at the time? One second. Right now. So yeah, the so the two Corys too, that it's their first film. It launches their entire uh careers together and they're forever linked from that moment on. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean they were only sixteen when they went to film that as well. Um and from what I gather, um when they first sort of met each other, they weren't too keen on each other. Um, they were almost fighting for who got the covers of the magazines and who was in the articles. And, and it wasn't until I think they had a football match on the beach with their dads that they really sort of bonded through that. Yeah. Uh, and then became friends from then on. So. And uh, if I remember correctly, I, I believe that Corey Feldman was friends with Alyssa Milano and she was dating Corey Haim. 
and he kept hearing from her like, oh, you know, Corey Haim this and Corey Haim that. And, of course, <laughs> Feldman's like, who's this other Corey? And, yeah, absolutely. And they're, they were, yeah, were out for roles uh, with each other, you know, vying for spots in teen magazines. And mm. Joel, I mean, again, another credit to Joel Schumacher. He puts the two Coreys together. Yeah, absolutely. And look how well that worked. Um, I mean, they play off so well each other on screen. Um, did you ever see many of their other movies? Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm was. i a big fan of License to Drive, of course. Uh, Dream, okay. a, Dream a Little Dream 1 and 2, National Lampoon's yeah. Last Resort. License to Drive is the only other one I've seen, really. So I need to—I do need to see the others, definitely. Yeah. So Dream, the Dream a Little Dream films are more like, uh, like fantasy. They're fun. Mm-hmm. They're fun though, but they're definitely you know of the time. You know the the uh, com- comedy fantasy movies of the time, but they're definitely uh, fun to see them in. And they could go back. There was never a defined like Corey Feldman's the lead or Corey Haynes the lead. They kind of went back where. They're, neither one of them are necessarily, I guess, the lead in the Lost Boys, but they have yeah. they share like such a great chemistry. And then okay. License to Drive, Corey Haim's kind of the lead guy, and then Dream a Little Dream, Corey Feldman's the lead guy. So they could go back and forth very fluidly too. Right. Okay. The only other thing that I have seen was um, I don't know if it was MTV, but it was like a reality thing. The two Corys. Oh yeah, yeah. That was um, I believe it was A and E. I think that channel A and E. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure how much of it's scripted, how much of it's real, um, but it was entertaining. I mean, and you can see that. I mean, both of them they've had some dark issues in the past. For sure. Um, which a lot of them seem to have come out in that in that documentary. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. You know. And. Uh, yeah, that's um. So you know, the whole Corey's thing starts. So you're getting, uh, what I love are some of the things you post about what happened off uh, screen. Whether it's you know Chance Michael Corbett going uh, missing and his parents getting worried about him when he was hanging out with the older cast members. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorites is um, Kiefer Sutherland sort of showing off in front of girls on his motorbike <laughs> on the boardwalk. And obviously doing his wrist in and having to wear that bandage for the rest of the film. And and then, you know, wearing the gloves to, to cover up with them. The gloves fit the aesthetic so perfectly because when you yeah. think about David now, too, you think about him with the gloves on. That's right. And then poor Jamie Gertz, who plays Star, is on the back of David's motorbike whilst he's got a broken hand as well riding this motorbike. <laughs> terrified of her life. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's just that. That's what's so great about this is when you get like those encyclopedias that come out, and we get more of the panels. There was a panel that Jason Patrick and Kiefer did. Um, I want to say like six or seven years ago, and it was just those two actors talking, and they were sharing so many like just little like fun stories where they wore the makeup in to get lunch off the Warner lot. And just looked yeah. over at like a woman in her car, and she was just <laughs> repulsed by them. I think I might have seen that actually. Um, Jason Patrick, he's he's a man of very few words. Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, no, no, normally in these panels, he'll just hand the mic over to Kiefer. He doesn't want to talk too much at all. So I had an opportunity to meet Jason Patrick a few years ago, and uh, he was at a, a convention here called a uh, monster mania convention. So that is about four and a half hours Southeast of us in New Jersey. And, uh, I couldn't do it. 
and not that I get I don't get nervous like around like celebrities or anything like that. It's just I I don't yeah. get nervous. But he just and it took me till now to see him in more panels and stuff to realize that like as you said he's a man of few words. He has a very dry sense of humor. Very. <laughs> so he looked like he just wasn't like in the mood and I couldn't yeah. I couldn't like bear to possibly have a bad interaction with him so I was just like I can't do it. I can't like cuz if cuz if by some chance that he was just having a bad day and he like did something and I just off put me I wouldn't I don't know if I could ever watch the Lost Boys the same <laughs> after that. Yeah. Well I met him last year. Um I shook his hand. Um he signed a little thing for me. Um signed my t-shirt as well. Um, really nice guy, but yeah, I didn't want to ask him anything. I felt like I was almost getting in the way of, you know, of his day. I didn't want to ruin anything. See, dude, dude, <laughs> you just said exactly how I was feeling too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I um, feel, I feel better. I, I feel better now knowing that other people feel the same way, but also yeah. terrible because I didn't just buck up and just be, uh, but he was, uh, so he was cast off the movie Solar Babies that Joel Schumacher had seen the year before, which also he, uh, you know, Jason Patrick said, I, I believe Jason Patrick is the one that said, hey, you know, I got a good idea for Star. She was in uh, Jamie Gertz. She was yep. in Solar Babies with me. That's right, yeah. Have you seen Solar Babies? I have. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird one, but again, I like, I, I'm someone who likes like the weird offbeat, like, there wasn't like a clear like direction. Like if you tried yeah. to explain the movie to somebody, it'd be kind of hard. It's one of those movies you gotta yeah. be like, just watch it. It's bizarre. Yeah. And from what I get, Jason doesn't really like talking about it at all. No, they and that, that panel with Kiefer, the guy's just like, oh yeah, you worked with uh, Jamie Gertz before the Lost Boys on Solar Babies, and just in the driest tone ever, Jason Patrick's like, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, uh, it's, but his, his deliver, uh, that's one thing I just don't, without this cast, with Kiefer playing David, uh, you know, Jason Patrick playing, uh, Michael, I don't know if the film, if you could have found anyone else besides those two to play the roles that would have, no. you just, I mean, it's easy to say cause the film's done. It's been out for 33 years. But I just, I can't picture anybody else in those roles. No. I mean, can you imagine a remake now? Who would they cast? There's no one which could match those roles at all. No. And it's just uh, a sign of, and I said this before, it's, the movie is, you can tell that it's an 80s film, but it's timeless at the same time. You can watch it. It, I've watched it throughout the 90s. I've watched it in the early 2000s. I've watched it, you know, 2010, 11, 12, 13, all the way to 2020, and it still feels fresh. Mm -hmm. Which I think is also going back to Josh Schumacher. I mean, a lot of people said that he was ahead of his time even back then, which probably is the reason that it still works now. It, and I feel like so many, so many different movies have tried to capture the feel and the the gang uh, mentality, I guess, of... Uh, that's the one thing Instagram has to work on is their uh, their ability yeah. for live streaming. But this yeah. is actually... We've had minimal interruptions considering we're on others. I don't know how much of the factor of us being on different continents is creating any kind of friction, but... It... Uh, got to play into it some. That's a lot of miles between. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there was just... There's just... 
he what everyone said that you know Joel was ahead of his time. The movie is ahead of its time. It's just one of those films. It's it's very similar to another Richard Donner film, The Goonies. The Goonies, I feel like, is the same thing. I feel like kids nowadays are still d- discovering that film, and it doesn't feel as date really dated. It still feels timeless. Yeah, absolutely. I was quite late to The Goonies. I I only saw that in the last five or so years. Oh, really? Uh, and it's it's classic isn't it it's brilliant why i've never seen it i don't know because it's the right era for me yes the soundtrack it's everything again all in one movie see and that's what's so fun about films and i I, you i guess you obviously goonies isn't a horror movie but there is uh it's it's a genre movie you know it's like a kid's genre movie because it's you know, like a treasure hunt movie. It's, you know, it's not a stereotypical, you know, kids movie of the 80s. It, it was very, yeah. but there was a lot of films like that. You know, the never ending story films. Uh, there was just so many of those labyrinth, those weird, those are a little more fantastical, obviously, but there was just, I mean, maybe David Bowie in Labyrinth, maybe that looks a little dated and is is a little, a little but it's still enjoyable. I still love it, but yeah, there's there was just there's just something uh, about certain films and the Lost Boys in general where it just and like I don't think about it being an '80s movie as much. Like obviously it's like pinnacle '80s movie, but it just I have connected with it every year. For different reasons. I remember watching it as a kid in the 90s. I remember showing friends it in the early 2000s. I remember showing, you know, uh, girlfriends in high school it. And then showing, you know, people that have never seen it in the 2010s. And it's just... It feels like there's always something to talk about about the film. And there's always... You can't put it on and people... It's one of those films that it's really surprising to see. Even people who have seen it a million times... When I show someone this film, uh, post cell phone era, you know, smartphone era, like two thousand eight, nine, after, it's something I really enjoy, and I see it commonly with this film. After about fifteen minutes, the phone goes down, and it kind of stays down for most of the time. Right. Yeah. And how rare is that these days? Um, I, I mean, not even watching films. You you go to a concert, anything. and people are filming it through their phone or they're texting. Uh, the attention span is just gone. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that harkens back as well to the studio's probably uh, pressure to let's get it in, get it done, get it made, get it out, next one. Because this movie is going to be relevant and people are going to care about it for three days to two weeks and then we got to go on to the next one. Oh, absolutely. It's like, I don't know about where you are. Um, I suppose you have Walmart and places like that. But when you go in there and you see all the DVDs, there's ones which you can see at they're trying to copy the front cover image of a past film just to get people to purchase it. And it's, you can tell these films have been made like in 24 hours and just trying to ship it out. Let's sell it. Let's sell it. Um, and there's quite a few horror ones I see, you know, about trying to use that same font, that same logo. Um, and they're all just repetitions of each other as well. Yeah. Nothing nothing new, original. No. And I mean, we see it with remakes, how many remakes are, you know, and they can't even, uh, for the, uh, the recent, the most recent Halloween film that came out in 2018, they couldn't even call it, you know, Halloween something something subtitle. They had to literally call it Halloween, it being the third 
Halloween movie called Halloween in the franchise, just Halloween. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, but I think there was just an authenticity in the eighties that a lot of stuff wasn't done, and there was people like Joel Schumacher who were ahead of their time. So these films are getting made, and I mean, you're seeing it a little bit with '90s films now, but nowhere near, as we said, the golden age of cinema, the 1980s. I know they 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 try to say like, you know, the '60s or the '70s with like uh, the Godfather films or Taxi Driver or something like that. They try to say that that's the golden age of movies, but I really think the '80s are just because so many films they go back to, you know, we were still talking about to this day, they're still getting shown in drive-in movie theaters, you know, E.T., The Lost Boys, The Goonies, Karate Kid, and it's just, you haven't, when have you, when have you seen, like, a a movie like E.T., like, a family-friendly, like, alien film, like, you couldn't do it now, because they would have it so CGI'd that you would take you out of the film and... Yeah, I mean, the whole thing would be animated now as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, going back to what I was saying about the drive-ins that we've had pop up here, it's all 80s. There's nothing um, post that, um, and it's selling out every night. Um, whether it would, whether, you know, if it was a more recent film, I don't know if, if it would. I mean, I think with the 80s films, whole families um, will go along to those. Um, so they're, they're getting the money, absolutely. Oh, 100%. So we got, yeah. I think one of the reasons uh, L. Cuddy unsure if she's a follower of you or I, but I think one of the reasons Lost Boys is so lasting, aside from the talent, is the fact that it's based on Peter Pan, which remains an integral narrative of the 20th and 21st centuries. That is a, an excellent point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that what a great what a great tie-in for the film, too, you know. The, the Lost Boys, you know, live forever, they'll, they'll never die, you know, eternal youth forever, which is, I mean, I mean funny we say that because that's literally what we try to capture when we because we're so obsessed with the 80s and nostalgia and what we grew up with we feel that way as well as fans but that tying that into that reeled in another demographic of people that grew up with the peter pan lore or were fans of that as well yeah 100 percent. i remember being i'm sure i remember when i first watched it you know the lost boys i thought it was going to be a peter pan movie um, that might even be the reason that I put it on in the first place. Yeah. To see, to see what it is uh, and what a shock I would have got. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and that is just, I mean, that's the genius of uh, the uh, Dick Donner, too, realizing and letting, because Dick Donner could have went and over, overruled Joel Schumacher as well, saying like, because I think Joel Schumacher, once he signed on, he knew it had to be like a teenage vampire movie. It couldn't be like a Goonies with fangs. It couldn't be like aimed to that younger demographic because you were missing out on all the teenagers that would go to films. But still, there was there was people in their 20s that at the time when The Lost Boys came out that are now, what, in their, their 50s? Like, for instance, my, my father uh, was no, no longer alive, but he was 20... Seven when it came out, and Lost Boys was one of his favorite films. Right, yeah, it's, it's, this is it. Um, and also, I, I don't know if it's like a US UK divide, but from what I gather, when it came out over here to begin with, it wasn't as popular at all. Um, and it's only as years gone by that it sort of became this cult movie. Um, and now, fast forward to 2020, and it's been screened everywhere. Yeah, it, it that's what's uh, I guess it's 
when I was younger and I would see the film and I would watch it and I had my VHS and I would just watch it like incessantly, I feel like I had one or two friends that are like, wow, you, you really love the Lost Boys, don't you? Like, yeah. And, and then slowly seeing like the fandom for it grow and grow and grow. And then when you go to a horror convention and you see like, for instance, like when you went to uh, the, the horror convention that you went to where you met the, the Lost Boys cast that's when you really you may know that there's a lot of fans out there but when you see the amount of people that are there that love the lost boys that's when you're like wow it wasn't just me like sitting in you know 1994 watching the lost boys on vhs it was you know everyone of our age yeah i mean where i come from is quite rural out here quite in the sticks and i mean my circle of friends none of them they've heard of the lost boys um they know it's a vampire film but no way near as interested as i was right um and then of course i go to that convention and suddenly i'm surrounded with everyone that's like-minded um dressed up the amount of effort people have been put up you know put into their makeup even like creating prosthetics and everything yeah. as well um and suddenly you're surrounded by people all with the same passion and it's 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 kind of bizarre because it's almost like it's i want to say use the word underground almost um, yeah it's like super yeah. There, yeah, it's the cult following, which is so. Yeah. It's so funny to say that about a film that was successful. It made, yeah. I think, three and a half or four times what it, its budget was. So it would be labeled in the successful realm of a film. Mm-hmm. Once you've made triple of what the film cost, you're in in the black, so they say, where it is yeah. become profitable. But that's what's so like funny about this film. It was a a popular film, but still like was underground and felt like, you know, it felt like it was your movie when you were younger. And then you get older and you see that there are so many fans. It is probably, I have no reservations about saying this, it's probably the biggest cult film of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that kind of goes back to music. Um, What you're saying about you kind of feel like it's yours. You've discovered it. um, You you sort of possess this. You you keep it and keep it to yourself. Um, and you cherish it but like i say then it's only later on that you find out everyone else is into it um you can go to conventions concerts meet like-minded people so yeah i mean a perfect example is metallica everyone thought metallica was their back pocket band and then the black album comes out and they become a global phenomenon and they're playing sellout stadiums across the globe and Uh then you know but it's different with film because i feel like I feel like they don't. There's not that like big explosion of like, oh my god, the Lost Boys is super popular, and then like all the original fans like renege and say like, oh no, we're not like huge on it or anymore or anything like that. I feel like with yeah. with film, once you're a fan, I mean, me personally, like I love Metallica no matter what. I like a lot of stuff that people don't like. I obviously love the first four records more than ninety five percent of the other stuff that they've done, of course. Yeah. But but with film i feel like you there's a nostalgia there of watching it when you're young that is glued and imprinted on your brain and your psyche where you're constantly trying to revisit those old glory days of being a child that's right so maybe it goes back to being a visual thing from a from childhood then yeah seeing these images you've attached your emotions to them um so of course then when you watch it years later you're then being transported back to that time um, whereas music, obviously you can still do it with music, but I think that visual aspect is so strong. 
Oh, and, and as we work into the music, I mean, as you said, and and I've talked about the the soundtrack is is timeless, and it's not necessarily bands that were huge everywhere. So like NXS was big in the U.S., but they were nowhere near as big as they were in like say the U.K. and Australia. U.K. and Australia, they were a stadium act. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I hadn't heard of NXS for you know for years, and they've been a band for for ages. Um, in fact, it probably wasn't until the last, well, since I got the Lost Boys soundtrack. So within the last 10 or so years ago, but I mean, even still, that, I take it they were absolutely huge over there. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, because I believe they were from Australia, if I, if I remember correctly. And yeah. um, I also remember reading that one of the reasons Kiefer Sutherland signed up is because NXS were slated to do the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, he was a big NXS uh, fan as well. And I believe that... I can't remember where I heard it or read it. Uh, I might have read it. So obviously when you read things, you're always skeptical whether or not there's a certain amount of truth to it. But I heard, and I know it was confirmed, Joel, Joel Schumacher ended up directing an NXS music video after The Lost Boys. So I wonder if... Uh, I've he- I've read that that was the connection. Like, hey, I'll direct a music video for you if you come and be on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah I'm sure I also remember hearing that. So yeah, I'm sure there is some truth to that, definitely. And we have uh, Joel Schumacher, who was, uh, you know, his, like, time of being, uh, you know, coming into his own as far as an adult was the 60s as well. So he was a big Mm. Doors fan. And what better to have, you know, a Doors song, having Jim Morrison, uh, Mural in the Cave. And and I talked about this with uh, my friend Dan from Inked Up Merchandise, who was on episode three of Legacy Week, where Echo and the Bunnymen... See, like, if you're a fan of Echo and the Bunnymen, I feel like you're a you're a, a deeper music fan than just like your casual music fan, because Echo and the Bunnymen, Bunnymen is like kind of like a music lovers band, kind of, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely, like a proper muso type band. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and also going back to People Are Strange, what a perfect way to have that as the intro to the film. Um, you know, or sh- shortly after where the camera sort of pans down. And you've seen all those scenes from around Santa, Santa Carla. Um, and a lot of those people, they were that they were genuine residents of the town. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that really was how it was. And uh, Joey from who runs, uh, I'm not sure now, because we're of the, the same age range. Were you a Ninja Turtles fan at all growing up? Do you know what? Weirdly, no, I wasn't. No, was it? Were, were you just not like exposed to it in the UK enough? It was. It, it was definitely here. It was on. Um, for some reason, I mean, me, I still at that age, I was gravitating towards the horror genre. So, I mean, any sort of cartoons that were horror based, for some reason, Ninja Turtles just didn't didn't click with me. So, I mean, I sort of caught the tail end of the real Ghostbusters, things like that. Yeah. So, so with Ninja Turtles, uh, there is a there's a fan page uh, called Ninja Turtles pronounced like in the new york accent um uh run by my friend joey and he was on and he sent me a video where he went to the boardwalk in santa carla in california and he it was a video he said he was there and he was just wanted to go see it he's like i was near santa carla i had to go see he's from chicago illinois so he had to he's like i had to go see the boardwalk because i love the lost boys and the music started playing and it took him a minute and he realized he goes oh wow they didn't like pan in like fake music that was the actual music that was playing in the boardwalk 
and he's like, he's like he's like I had such a like a cool revelation where like the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I was just like I felt like I was in the film for a second. Just there, yeah. yeah. It's one of my dreams to visit there one day. I mean, I have to do it. I uh, just visit all the movie filming locations. Oh, um, but I came very close to Santa Cruz back in 2010. I sort of did like a um, almost like a, a coach trip around uh, California, then into Nevada. Um, then we went back down the Pacific Coast, but we just missed Santa Cruz, and I was so gutted. I'd love to have gone to yeah to visit. Dude, uh, I had a similar experience. I was in a band and, for years, and we ended up going out west, and we played some shows. And we were like in the Venice Beach area. We were outside of LA, so we were in Venice Beach, and like our itinerary couldn't accommodate for us to like drive out to Santa Cruz. So I was just like, oh, so close but so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do it one day. Yeah, and <laughs> if you Google Map, because uh, I believe if you go to IMDb, you can get the, you can find the uh, pin drop uh, address for Grandpa's house. House, yeah. And you can see it, and I think if I remember correctly, the last pictures taken there were I think 2011. I think you can see okay. a date, a time, a date stamp. And it right. looks so similar to the way it did in 1987 still. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a few YouTube videos, um, more recent than that as well, of people visiting it. And it's, it's exactly the same. Um, you've obviously got this big fence sort of protecting it to stop people getting in there. Um, I mean, that building, that is that is years and years old. I think it used to be called the Poganip Country Club. Yep, uh, uh, someone just said that. Been there too, it's the Poganip, yep. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, and it's an amazing building. Um, but you can see where all the exteriors were shot and everything. Um, I always loved that they were going to initially, and uh, one of our watchers, Al Cuddy, had just mentioned it too, that they changed the name uh, from Santa Cruz, obviously, to Santa Carla, because Santa Carla wasn't hot about them referring to Santa Cruz as the murder capital of the world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can kind of understand that. Yeah, it's... Uh, but that's... There's just so much, like... There's so much we could get into in this film, and it's just so, from the music to the locations, we're literally, you know, spending time talking about how, like, oh, we want to go to the locations, like, that, like, you're not seeing that with, like, I don't know, like, beaches, like, is Bed Midler, like, getting this kind of fandom for beaches? Like, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But no, that's a perfect film for that. I mean, all the locations are so, you, you just want to jump in the tv and visit them there that's but like i said and in the first episode i did of this legacy week uh i mentioned all the people who had passed now unfortunately a lot of crew members have passed since then but there was everything everyone involved with this film i feel like just pulled their weight in such like small ways that made it so great like the title designer um that designed the the low the lost boys logo the uppercase lowercase uppercase lowercase I've seen bands like metalcore, hardcore bands, emo bands rip off that font for their t-shirts throughout the mid 2000s. And yeah. like I mean that's just and but when you see that uppercase lowercase font style of the Lost Boys, you knew you know immediately what film they're, you know, they're they're plagiarizing. Yeah. I mean going back to music, um, are you familiar with the band Cancer Bats? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember a T-shirt of theirs back in the day. It had the Cancer Bats logo, but then you've got this big sort of uh, image of David's face just below it. 
uh, and it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I uh, there was a there was a New Jersey band from or a New Jersey hardcore band, and they had uh, they were called the Banner, and they had you know a David shirt as well. They had David on the shirt, um, and that was a big seller. You know, mid two thousands around here in the Northeast, that was a huge uh, a huge uh, huge ripoff thing. And I think you still you still see like. I've seen uh, like bands like uh, Motionless and White use like full Lost Boys ripoff uh, artwork and stuff, uh, but that's just you know when you're a fan of this film, I feel like it 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 protrudes into other aspects of your life that you don't even consciously realize at times. It it, it becomes so subconscious the love for this film. Yeah, I mean the amount of um, tattoos that people send me through my Insta page, the artwork that's gone into them, and the designs that they've come up with is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and, um, and again, how many people are getting tattoos of movies that have come out in the last five years or so? Like, you know, you can't really. <laughs> and and if they are, they're horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, because like the re- the most recent, like you know, I, I mean. Me personally, I, I guess I would I wouldn't get like a horror movie the last five years unless it absolutely stuck with me. Uh, but you know, you'll see again. You're not seeing like who has like a super like a a drama movie. Like who has like a drama movie tattoo? Like it's all the genre is so or such dedicated fans uh, with horror and any kind of genre film as well. Yeah. But the '80s specifically, there's. You know, there's podcasts uh, dedicated to the 80s. There's, you know, TV shows. Uh, you know, VH1 for years did the I Love the 80s, like, uh, segments and uh, little TV shows that they had. So it's it's a constant need to revisit that time frame in yeah. that decade for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, people aren't stupid. They know when a film's had the amount of love and craft that's been poured into it they know when the you know the wool's being pulled over their eyes with some cgi thing that's come out 100 yeah absolutely so this is it and at what are there scene is there a scene that like uh i guess if you were going to try to sell someone on the lost boys and they're like nah i tell me one scene that would sell me on the movie What's one scene you would say, watch this scene, and if you don't, if it doesn't sell you on the film, you're foolish. Like, blimey, I suppose probably the second that the Frog Brothers and Corey Haim sort of shine the torch up and see the Lost Boys hanging from the roof of the cave, something like that. Yeah. Have you seen the art? Have you seen the artwork for that? Have you seen it or posted it? Oh my god, that is maybe one of my favorite fan arts I've ever seen. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It really I think is. I've been used on a vinyl or something like that, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Now, how much Lost Boys memorabilia have you uh, have you collected over the years? <laughs> well, this is the thing because I mean, Lost Boys it never had much of a vast merch, um, or, you know, or anything official. There wasn't much released no. at all. So I mean, you've had like the Necker figures that came out. Um, There's a David one and a Michael one. Um, I mean, other than that, you obviously saw the book that I showed you there. Yep. Um, I've got soundtracks on so i've got it on the vinyl cassette um then i've got like seven inch singles of people are strange and the nxs one as well yep um, yeah and a, a few t-shirts here and there some some nice prints that i bought at the um the convention um but apart from that there isn't too much out there that is official genuine lost boys merchandise yeah and, and you know it's funny you say that because i i tried to when i was doing legacy week i was trying to post as much lost boys memorabilia that i have 
but there's so, so much little stuff that I forget about. Uh, there was yeah. this there was this company. Um, I think it was a collaboration with a few companies where they actually did custom chopsticks that said they're only noodles, Michael. <laughs> nice. And uh, they actually had fortune cookies made up with the little with quotes from the movie in the fortune cookie. Oh, that's brilliant. And I, I posted them on my page, so definitely check that. But when you said the 7 inches, I forgot that I have the uh, Good Times uh, NXS Jimmy Barnes 7-inch uh, single. I have I have that as well. And uh, art prints, every time I see an art print from it at a convention, like, usually it's like 10, 15 bucks. I was like, I can't, like, leave here and not grab this. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one that you can just about see here. Yeah. That's a Lost Boys one. It's done, like, newspaper print. Um, and I mean, that was about £30, which I, it was well worth the money. It's one of my favorite things. Oh, yeah. Doing, so, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's something we're seeing, I, I think, uh, as you said, this movie, it wasn't like one of those films where you would make a bunch of merchandise for. It wasn't like a like a comic movie or, or it didn't have like, at the time, it didn't have any kind of toys or anything because it wasn't really a, a kid's film. But we've seen, again, we've seen, uh, we've seen, this is empty because he's over there, but we've seen the fun... Yeah. They made Funkos. They made, uh, I, I believe it was NECA. I could be completely wrong that made the action figures, I think, in the early 2000s. Yep. Um, and there's just, it seems like every year they're doing, I mean, these came out, uh, the Lost Boys Funkos came out in 2009. They came out last year, or 2018. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, the fandom is just so fun because I feel like the more people that are discovering it and the more these companies see that there's such a fan base for it that they're like, well, we got to, we got to do Funkos, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the Funkos, we need a Tim Capello Funko pop. Definitely. Oh my God. With the little saxophone. Come on. Yeah. I mean, so many of these Funko pops, you're kind of struggling to work out who they are. Not the Lost Boys ones, but I mean, Tim Capello, you, you know, a little version of him with a saxophone and the, the, Pink tight trousers. I mean, oh yeah, come on. So uh, I gotta, I gotta send you. Speaking of, of our, our good boy Tim, you, yeah. I gotta send you to my friend uh, Dan's page. He runs a page called Inked Up Merchandise. Now he said something that was really interesting. He said one of the first things. So he, he's an embroiderer. He embroiders uh, hats and patches, and he also screen prints T-shirts and things like that. So he opened an Etsy shop in 2012, and one of the first items he ever had was a Frog Brothers Vampire Slayer patch. Okay. And he said that that he has sold that all over the world globally, and is the one constant item that is constantly. He's uh. made he's made some Lost Boys hats, but he just put out a patch and a hat where it says uh, "I still believe" with like an 80s looking logo with the saxophone. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, and I mean going back to Tim. Like I say, he performed at that convention um, that I went to. And without a doubt, when I was walking out of there, everyone was saying that he was the highlight of that whole weekend. Oh, I've um, heard nothing but amazing things. One, about how, how nice he was and how well he still performed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had time for everyone. Every person that went out to him, he signed something. Um, he took a photo with them. He was selling his own pins there as well. That's awesome. Um, and, I mean, he was due to come back this year, but obviously, sadly, that got cancelled. Yeah. Um, th- Fingers crossed he'll be back next year. Who knows? Um, but he, you know, he said that he's dying to come back and do it again. So yeah, brilliant. So uh, I guess as as we wrap up, man, uh, I I gotta ask you, you know, what if you could try to, I guess, summarize what you think the Lost Boys legacy is 
after 33 years of being out, being a fan, running a fan page, you know, to you, if someone's, you know, as I am asking you, you know, what is, what do you think the legacy of the Lost Boys is? Cool. I, I suppose it's the representation of the time, uh, the attitude, the style, the music. Um, I mean, if someone wants to know what the 80s was like, watch this movie. Um, you, you'll see. Um, and again, I'll probably say what I said about before, how I think people need to look back and see that this is how films should be made. Um, you know, the cast, the way things are, are made, the love and care that's gone into prosthetics, um, the, the chemistry between the characters. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's a good staple of what film should be. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a benchmark for sure. It is, it's a standard, and I mean that's something I I guess I really didn't think about until our conversation just today. Was this really is like if you want to know how to really make a film and how to bring a cast and a crew together, this is probably the film that you would take notes from, as far as a production standpoint. Hundred percent. all-round good movie there's nothing bad about the movie at all um it's it's just one of the best best films going yeah well man i I can't thank you enough for for carving out time and and coming on uh the podcast here and this has been uh been awesome to connect with you like i said the uh now plug your plug your page for anybody listening or obviously we're watching but this is going to be posted on our uh uh, page so anybody can stream the audio version of this as well um plug your uh, plug your page man brilliant yeah so on the boardwalk um and yeah you'll find everything that i post on there behind the scenes stuff movie props um quotes from all the cast members um just a genuine lost boys fan page um which i've been doing for the love of it for about over a year and a half now. And that's below underscore the board, the underscore boardwalk. That's correct. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you can check out all of his amazing, amazing things that he posts on there that will keep you informed. And even if you think you're a big lost boys fan, you might just find something you didn't necessarily know. And, uh, like I said, man, uh, I would love to, uh, connect with you again on, uh, and, and have you on again because this has been uh this has been a blast man uh you've been a uh, an awesome uh, awesome person to talk to uh especially you know connecting from countries away i mean the, yeah. the glorious internet as much as we could complain about instagram's uh network here uh live streaming uh man it's it's been awesome and uh again a testament to the lost boys that we're connecting on uh different continents right now talking about this film 33 years later Absolutely. I mean, it's very rare that I get to talk to people, you know, in much, much detail about this movie. Um, So the fact that I'm able to do it tonight and, you know, with all those miles in between us, it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. Oh, of course, man. So uh, I I guess uh, as the hopefully the pandemic tries to wind down, hopefully there's no resurgences. uh, You know, maybe at one point we'll we'll see more Lost Boys content. I know there was talk about a musical, so. Maybe if the the musical gets uh, gets underway, we'll have uh, more Lost Boys content to talk about. Absolutely, yeah, more the better. All right, man, thank you so so much. Uh, like I said, you can follow him on his page at below underscore the underscore boardwalk. Uh, Lost Boys, everything you want would want to see is on there, 
And uh, this is now a fourth episode that we've done as a kind of a continuation a week after we've wrapped up Lost Boys Legacy Week. And uh, yeah, uh, long live uh, the Lost Boys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, man.